Good afternoon, folks. <clears throat> My name is Jesse. I'm from North Carolina. Driving home today, just paused for an hour or so to come and preach to you today. I think it's great to be able to stand outside the White House and preach uh, the words of eternal life. There's not very many countries in the world where you can stand outside the resident of the leader or the king or whoever it may be and declare truth and call one's nation to repentance. The other day I was reading a statement made by our second president, John Adams, in one of his journals. And he talked about how every night, under the burden and pressures of the presidency, he would kneel beside his bed and in a spirit of repentance, with heartfelt sorrow, he wrote, I would confess the multitude of my sins, my foibles and my weaknesses to Almighty God and plead His help and assistance as I endeavor to do my duty. Now, contrast that with uh, today and our leader of today who tells half the nation he's a Christian to get their votes and then once he's in the White House, he doesn't even have time to go to church, doesn't even bother. I mean, that's the politician of the day. They tell you these things to get your vote. Out of one corner of their mouth, they claim they're a Christian. And then out of the other side of their mouth, they sanction and affirm things that God and His Word, the Bible, calls abomination and wickedness. So you've got profound hypocrisy from our politicians today, particularly our president. Contrast that with men such as John Adams, who confessed their inability before God and spoke of calling out to God in repentance at night when they went to bed. Oh, that we as America would be like John Adams and that our attitude would be one of understanding our need to repent before a holy God and that with heartfelt sorrow, we as, individuals, as individual Americans in this free land would go to our bed in the evening and confess with repentance the multitude of our sins, foibles, and weaknesses before, our holy, before the holy God of the universe. Friends, and trust me, there is a multitude of sins, foibles, and weaknesses that make us guilty before God, not only as a nation, but as individuals. During the period of civil war, Abraham Lincoln called the nation to repentance, understanding that that war was judgment from God. I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who called the nation to repentance in a day of fasting during his presidency. James Madison did the same when the British burned this White House and the Capitol back in 1812. How far have we fallen today, friends? We don't even want to mention the name of God, much less Jesus Christ in the halls of our government. You know, that's funny because the men we look up to in our history books said exactly the opposite. I believe it was Patrick Henry, well known for his brash statement, give me liberty or give me death, that made this statement. He said America, this was many years later, said America was not founded upon religion or by religionists, but upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now today we can't even mention Christ. Yeah, of course, when kids go into a school and shoot up the place and kill their classmates, we want to blame God for that. Never considering that we kicked God out of the school many years ago and told Him He was not welcome. So why do we expect Him to come in there and save the day? No, friends, we need to be like John Adams and confess our sins before God. 
I call our president today. I call him out. President Obama, I call you out. And I ask you to humble yourself before the Lord and to lead us as a people in humility before Almighty God. I ask you to be who you claim to be. You've said you were a Christian. But sir, how can you be a Christian and say it's okay to murder the unborn children of this country? Especially when most of the aborted babies in this nation are African American. How can you say that? How can you say that you are a Christian but sanction lifestyles that God says are sin? I call you out, Mr. President. I ask that you would lead us as John Adams led the nation many years ago in a spirit of heartfelt repentance. I ask that in a spirit of Love, sir, I love you and the Bible commands that we as Christians pray for you as our leader and that's what we do. We pray that God would give you wisdom and discernment. But more important than that, that He would grant you repentance and faith that you may turn this nation back to righteousness. But dear sir, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Be warned. Just as the preachers warned our politicians all through the early days, be warned that God is not mocked Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sir, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. I implore you to turn this nation back to the God of its fathers, to lead us in repentance for the wickedness of this nation. Here in America, we think we're entitled to the blessings of God. When in truth, we're one of the most morally reprehensible countries in the history of the world. Things that the third world considers taboo. We not only do them, we take pleasure in them. You'd be hard-pressed to find women who have all the circumstances of life against them in the third world village. You'd be hard-pressed to find women who are willing to kill the, the babies in their womb. You'd be hard-pressed to find poor, third-world societies that have all the excuses in the world to be angry with God. You'd be hard-pressed to find them to say or to believe that homosexuality is okay with God. You'd be hard-pressed to find these things. But here in America, look at marriage. Fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. At least half of the marriages in the church end in divorce. And we say it's okay. Jesus preached against divorce. Oh, there's forgiveness from God, but it doesn't make it right. Mr. President, I don't blame you for the state of our nation. I blame the church. I blame the pastors in America's pulpits who don't have the guts to preach truth as men of God did in the old days. You see, men of God days and years ago in the early founding of our country weren't afraid to speak out. In fact, if it weren't for some Baptist preachers in Virginia, my friends, we wouldn't have a Bill of Rights in the Constitution. You see, James Madison was a delegate from the state of Virginia running... He was running to be a delegate to the Constitutional Conviction and there was a strange quandary James Madison didn't have the votes to be elected from Virginia, but he had drafted the U.S. Constitution. 
So it looked like the man who had actually written the draft wouldn't even be elected to attend the Constitutional Convention and vote on that document from his state. There was a Baptist preacher named John Leland from Virginia along with other Christian Baptist preachers that said, you know what, let's talk to Mr. Madison. He needs to guarantee us that as Christians we will have freedom of religion and freedom of speech in this country. You see, those preachers understood that in a society where men were free to hear God speak to their conscience apart from the trappings of a state church, that, that in that environment, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is not religion but a free gift, upon repentance and faith would thrive. And there was no Bill of Rights in the Constitution, friends. Those were amendments to the Constitution. And James Leland, that Baptist pastor, as a spokesman for the other preachers of the state, met with James Madison under an oak tree out near the wilderness in Virginia and said, listen, we will put our support behind you and we will tell our church bodies to vote for you as a delegate if you will guarantee us that there will be freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Freedom for us to speak out God's truth against political leaders and to call this nation to repentance at any time. And unlike the politicians of the day, Mr. Madison gave his word that if they would elect him, he would ensure that this would be etched into the Constitution. The Constitution was passed and the first order of business thereafter was our Bill of Rights. A Bill of Rights that guaranteed something that other nations have never guaranteed its citizens. That the truth could be spoken. That there would be no state church. That there would be no persecution of Christians, no persecution of Jews, or persecution of any faith from the government. And I'm thankful for that because you know what? I know there's a sovereign God that rules in the affairs of men. And He doesn't need the trappings of government to speak to your conscience. In fact... Apart from the trappings of government, you're more able to hear the voice of God in creation and on your conscience calling you to repentance. So friends, I'm thankful for that, but how far have we fallen? In that day, a politician gave his word, he kept it. In this day, that politician doesn't. How many things did our president today say he would do in the campaign, but he's not done them or he's lied? I don't hold him or our political leaders responsible. I hold the nation responsible, particularly the churches. We've turned a blind eye to sin in this country. We've forgotten the God of our fathers. We're guilty of the very things our founding fathers warned us against. George Washington in his farewell address warned us of the day when we would forget the source of our freedom and our existence. Almighty God, the God of heaven. James Madison warned us of a day when we would think our national security was rooted in anything else other than our ability and our desire as a society to follow the law of God. The Ten Commandments. Friends, we've forgotten this. Not only have we forgotten it, like Israel of old, we've turned from the God of our fathers and worshipped other gods. For many of you, your God is money. For some of you, your God is a politician. In America, we make gods out of men that can rock and roll or throw a leather ball in an iron hoop or carry a pigskin ball down a grassy field. 
I'm not preaching against sports, but we have made idols. Some of us have made an idol out of our pastor or our church, not willing to test what is preached with the Word of God. Some of us have made idols out of our jobs, our paychecks, and we've turned from God. We've forgotten Him. And in the churches, I would say that evidence of God's judgment against our country is abundantly clear. Evidence that God has already judged us is every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock across this country. The caliber of preaching that is in America's pulpits today is evidence of God's judgment against us. And friends, that's a scary place to be as a nation. All of these little preachers, these little sissy reverends talking about hoping and coping and preaching their sermonettes for Christianettes. Thank God He's got a remnant. Thank God He always has a remnant and the truth is always spoken and He's always got His prophets. We're here today not because we claim to be somebody or encourage you to our church, but to declare the Word of God. God's judgment on this nation has begun, but friends, there is hope. We have sinned against the Holy God. Our conscience bears witness. We've lied. We've stolen. We've blasphemed with our mouth and with our lifestyles. We've committed adultery and murder because God sees our lust as adultery, our hatred as murder. Not only have we done these things, we've known they were wrong and we take pleasure in them. We're guilty before a holy God, a just and holy God that, de- that cannot tolerate sin and we deserve His judgment. We deserve His judgment as a nation. We deserve it in hell for all eternity. But friends, I'm not a preacher of doom. I'm not here to condemn you. We're already condemned. I'm a preacher of love and I'm here to say that these things be so. We are helpless without a Savior. But we're only hopeless if there is no Savior. And there is a Savior. Almighty God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, not while we were good people or righteous people, but while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. You see, God formed the body for Himself and He filled it like a hand fills a glove. He stepped into space and time, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He walked the dusty roads of Galilee. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He suffered in all points like as we are. We must endure, yet without sin. And then He who knew no sin became sin for us when they nailed Him to that rugged cross. Friends, the Jews didn't kill Christ. The Romans didn't kill Christ. Christ Jesus laid His life down. He laid His life down as a sacrifice for our sins, a blood sacrifice to cover our sins, much like that, the blood of that Passover lamb covered the people of Israel as they fled from Egypt that night when God killed Egypt's firstborn. A legal transaction took place between God and men on the cross. Almighty God stepped in and paid your fine and mine. Mr. President, He stepped in and paid your fine on that cross. We've broken His moral law. He's paid the fine with, our, with His life's blood. And then three days later, He took His life up again and rose from the dead, proving that that sacrifice was efficacious. Christ Jesus is not hanging on a cross anymore, my Catholic friends. He's risen from the grave. He's risen from the grave. 
Mr. President, our, our Savior is not a dead religion. He's a living Savior. He's a King. And His salvation is free. All for the sake of those precious children of yours that you turn to Christ and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's your primary duty as a father. That supersedes your duty as president, my friend. But Jesus Christ rose from the grave and therefore salvation from sin is available to all. The foot of the... The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Salvation is available to all, but friend, it is not automatic. God commands us. He doesn't offer us salvation. He provides it and then He commands us to repent of our sins. That is to acknowledge our sins. Let's stop making excuses for our sin as a nation. Let's stop making excuses for our sin as individual. God says abortion is murder. He says homosexuality is a sin. He says fornication is a sin. That covetousness is idolatry. Anger is murder. Lust is adultery. The Lord hath said, Thus saith the Lord, let's quit making excuses and acknowledge it for what it is, and that we are helplessly lost without a Savior, and that only Christ can save us. Let's repent. God commands us to repent and to put our trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about head knowledge. Faith is a complete trust. It's the trust that you would have in a parachute. If you grabbed it in a downing plane, you would never let go. Many people today try on Jesus like a, a jacket. When it's unfashionable, they cast Him aside. But the faith the Bible speaks of is to grab a hold of Jesus Christ and hold tightly like you would a parachute in a downing plane you wouldn't let go. Quit trusting in your religion, your church attendance. Quit trusting in these things. And trust in Christ. And God promises that He will save us from our sin. That He will declare us to be righteous. And in giving us His Holy Spirit, He will conform us to the image we've been declared to have through the sanctification of the Spirit. And that He will give us eternal life. Friends, that is the Gospel. The Gospel is simply this. Jesus Christ was crucified according to the Scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, He rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures. This is not religion. It's life. And Jesus Christ can free you, my Catholic friend, my Mormon friend, my Jehovah's Witness friend, my Muslim friend. Jesus Christ can free you from the bondage of your religion. But friends, we must humble ourselves. We cannot understand the gospel, neither can we embrace it, neither can we be saved, unless we repent. And we must repent as a nation. Mr. President, I implore you to lead us in repentance. Be assured that I will pray for you. My young seven-year-old daughter, a couple of weeks ago, prayed very simply and humbly that Mr. Obama would repent and trust Jesus. And I speak that in love. I speak that in love. God's calling us to repent. To repent and believe on Jesus Christ. He may judge this nation. He may overthrow it. But God is in the business of saving men and changing them individually. Amen. Will you escape on that day of wrath? Only Jesus can save you to God. Only Jesus can save you to a relationship with God. And my friend, only Jesus can save you from God. You need to be saved from God because His wrath is white hot. The nations of the earth are but a drop in a bucket. And judgment is coming. 
How can we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Mr. President, how can our nation escape if we neglect so great salvation, which was spoken of by the prophets in Jesus Christ and fulfilled according to the Scriptures? Please consider this today. I pray these words have been a blessing to you. I pray you will listen as these other preachers lift up their voice and understand the time is short. Judgment is coming. Flee to Christ. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to preserve you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding wise joy to the only wise God our Savior be honor and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.